Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. All right, so look, folks, I may be overdoing it just the tiniest bit on vocal use these days. Try to fight it off, try to put it off, try to just power through, and at a certain point, you realize maybe it's a bit much. Good news is I don't have any play-by-play gigs until January, so uh, that'll take a little bit of the strain off. But just looking back at this week, for instance, we did two shows on Monday, two shows on Tuesday, two shows on Wednesday, one show on Thursday, two shows on Friday, uh, and then I had two basketball games to call on Thursday and two basketball games to call on Saturday. And that's probably just too much. You roll it all together, and it's something like 2, 4, 6, 7, 9, 11, 13, 14. It's about 14-ish hours of yelling. So anyway, um, woke up this morning, and just everything through the neck up into the lower jaw was swollen and tight. But I got to get a show out because tomorrow... Uh, I will be playing hooky for a day. I'll be honest with you guys. Straight hooky. Um, We promised our older kid for his birthday in November, he could either have a giant party with all of his friends, which, you know, my wife and I were not so secretly crossing our fingers. He'd be like, no, we don't need to do that because he's got elementary school friends and friends left over from preschool and a bunch of friends from Little League and then their parents, and if you throw a party like that, suddenly you're at like 100 people in your apartment courtyard and realizing, oh my God, what have we done? Or your other option was pick one friend and go to Disneyland, and uh, that's what he chose, and so that's tomorrow, meaning we got to get tomorrow's stuff done today. That's what this show is. Normally, we do two shows on Monday. We're going to roll them all into one episode right here, right now, a weekend recap show and a a look at the week ahead. So welcome, everyone, to a combo episode of Fantasy NBA Today. I know everybody's sort of getting settled in for football right now. Um, NFL kicks off in about 45 minutes. So any of you that are hanging out live, I do appreciate it. I don't expect many of you to be here on Sunday morning. It's a weird time to do a fantasy basketball show, especially when the in-season tournament just finished up yesterday. Congratulations to LeBron and the Lakers for winning the first-ever NBA Cup. It was actually pretty cool. As a Laker fan, it was uh, doubly cool to see that team kind of humming right now. Um, Very cool to see kind of a Tyrese Halliburton coming out party over the last little bit. Not that, like, we degenerates didn't know, but the universe didn't, and now they do. Uh, But, again, all that rolled together, this isn't exactly, like, prime time for fantasy basketball right now. But I want to get the show out. I want to get it going. Hell, you know, on top of everything else, it might be kind of an interesting way for us to figure out if doing some of these Monday content episodes earlier is actually a good idea like maybe getting it posted sooner is useful for folks so in every event we're throwing some darts at the wall and uh, we'll see if any of them stick today so again thank you to anybody who's hanging out live anybody that's watching or listening after the fact please take a moment to like rate subscribe all that good stuff let's dive straight in and do our weekend recap normally it's a reverse chronological lightning round but every single weekend game happened on friday There were no fantasy games that counted on Saturday or Sunday. So there is no reverse chronology to any of this. It's just a Friday recap at this point. 
and uh, then we'll take a look at so, so sort of the, the streaming plan basically for the week ahead, which is actually a very busy week. Most teams in the NBA have four games this coming week because everybody had two, so the assumption is that everybody's pretty well rested other than the Lakers and the Pacers. And so uh, the NBA has us sort of diving into a big, fat, thick week eight. And uh, that makes streaming actually less important because uh, everybody should have a pretty uh, relatively equal number of games played. But let's we'll get to that in a minute. First things first. Uh, first of all, uh, find me over on social at Dan Vespers. I think I forgot to throw that in there, but uh, you guys can do that as well. Toronto at Charlotte. Uh Raptors are starting to come apart a little bit. Uh, you know, Scotty Barnes was able to power to them to some wins early in the season that maybe they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. They now lost three games in a row, including this one to a team that they very much should not have lost to. They're now 9-13, and 13, the 11 seed, which I get it. You're still only a half game out of a play-in spot. But with every loss, the Raptors inch closer to being a sell team. And that's something we'll want to keep tabs on both for reality and for fantasy purposes because... We've known Pascal Siakam and Gary Trent have been on the trade block for quite some time. Trent is the sort of easier piece to move there, but Siakam is the more relevant one. As far as fantasy goes, there's basically no, there's basically nothing with the Raptors all the time. They're a very predictable club. Uh, Dennis Schroeder's fall off, he's now down to number 130 on the year was, I thought, predictable, and then, admittedly, I thought maybe I got it way wrong when he started a top 50 clip for two weeks, but he has now settled back into where we knew he would be, and I feel, again, very much less stupid about calling him a one... I think I said he was going to be outside the top 120, 150 range, and that's exactly where he is now. The great leveling. It levels us all. As far as the Charlotte side goes, that's uh, arguably the more interesting side. We got a kind of a good report on LaMelo Ball over the weekend that he was going to be uh, evaluated at some point this coming week. They expected him to miss at least one more week. But the fact that they didn't say, you know, at least another two or three, I thought was good news because uh, we know his ankles are busted. And so anytime it's like, all right, he's not that far away, I take that as a positive. Meantime, Nick Richards actually outplayed Mark Williams in this game. Williams likely kind of playing through a lower back injury, and uh, the time off is going to be nice for him. So don't read too much into that. Richards is an excellent backup center, but he's not going to get uh, all that many minutes when Williams is fully healthy. Otherwise, um, P.J. Washington is sort of your fringe guy on this team. He's the one I've been going back and forth about. The other... Uh, the story right now is to start the starters with Charlotte. Brandon Miller, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges, if you're willing to, and uh, and Mark Williams, I think, when this team comes back out of the multi-day layoff. Detroit lost again at Orlando, and it was ugly. Jalen Duran is out for at least two weeks after his latest ankle situation. Marvin Bagley got the start in this ballgame, and then he left partway with, you can see it on your screen if you're watching the YouTube version, back spasms. I'll tell you right now, I have no idea what Detroit is going to do at center. Um, if I was the Pistons, I would probably just slide Isaiah Stewart up to the five and run small. But you might see James Wiseman, who did actually get to play 16 minutes in this ball game. He's terrible. Uh, not a good basketball player. Neither is Marvin Bagley. So I'm probably not picking up Wiseman outside of points leagues. That would be the spot you'd consider it. Uh, if Stewart slides up to the five, he actually probably is a 12-teamer across the board. That's been his issue, is playing the four. 
because it doesn't allow him to get that many rebounds. Uh, and as the five, you get more boards, you get better looks on offense, you're closer to the rim, you get more defensive stats on the defensive side. Duh. Uh, so, you know, we'll kind of wait and see on that one. We'll get a Detroit report, presumably before their next ball game, which again, doing this show on Sunday makes it a little tougher on me. But just kind of stay uh, piped in on that. Killian Hayes is the hold. There was all this bluster going into this game in Orlando about how Jaden Ivey was going to get to play more, and he very much did not play more. So hold Killian Hayes just to kind of see how this thing shakes out. I, If you guys want my honest opinion on this, I don't think that Hayes ends up as a rest-of-season guy. Uh, but if he's running hot for a little bit, which he kind of is, maybe that secures him enough playing time in the short term. So hang tight. By the way, I'm not playing him in Roto Leagues right now. I'm too nervous about what he might do to various percentages. Head-to-head, he does uh, He does make sense. On the Orlando side, uh, Jalen Suggs did not play in this ballgame. I, I mean, when he went down, I thought it was going to be a while, but they're making it seem like it's not going to be all that long. So I guess that's good. We mentioned Gary Harris as uh, steals and threes streamer, and he did have two of each of those in this ballgame. So, you know, whatever. Goga Batadze just hammer dunking all over the Pistons was kind of the ultimate in, uh, in indignity, if you whatever you want to call it on that Piston side. Uh, but we've seen enough of this Batadze versus Mo Wagner thing to know that anytime either one of them looks like they're getting something going, it immediately fizzles out. So just leave that crap alone. Cole Anthony's going to get all he can handle here while Suggs is out, and. That's probably the only player you're really looking at on in all formats. Atlanta was without Trey Young for this ball game, so you, I think you had a pretty good feeling that they weren't going to beat the uh, 76ers. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich got the start. He played 39 minutes, which, you know, great fantasy-wise, but also, yikes, I don't know how his knees possibly hold up to that for more than one or two days of ball games, I, I actually much prefer Bogdanovich playing 25, 26 minutes and just going buck wild off the bench and trying to keep him upright. Now, again, one or two of these ball games, terrific. I'm very nervous. He's been great. You're just going with it. If you can sell on Bogdanovich, I think I would, just not because his production's going to change all that much, but because his health could. Meantime, the Hawks just badly need, obviously, Trey Young, but also they really need Jalen Johnson back, and he's still multiple weeks away. Sadiq Bey's a start. Okongwu was better in this ballgame. He blocked a couple of shots, did have five fouls in 18 minutes, such as life when Joel Embiid is on the other side of the floor. But you guys know our feelings on Okongwu, which is hold as long as you possibly can. Embiid has gone uh, pretty crazy lately, too. He's shoved himself into the number two spot behind Shea Gilgis-Alexander in overall boards, uh, basically at a dead heat with Tyrese Halliburton. Meanwhile, Nikola Jokic has been shooting the ball so poorly lately, he's fallen down behind Anthony Davis into the five hole. I really do. I, I do feel like, and we talked about this leading up to the season, the championship hangover is real. It's a real thing. Anyway, not even the point. Sixers, obviously, Embiid, Maxi, Melton, these guys are all easy starts. Tobias Harris should be bouncing back at some point soon. Ubre up to 23 minutes here in his second game back. Make sure he's not on the wire because he was very good prior to his injury. Let's keep on moving. Wizards, uh, womp womp, another blowout. At least Tyus Jones did get 28 minutes, so that was something. I don't fully understand how the minutes are being distributed on this ball club, but you know, anytime Jones gets 
basically above about 25-26. He's fine. I think this game may have actually pushed Tyus back inside the top 100 in 9-cat. Yeah, he's 96 now, which I get it. Top 100 is sort of an arbitrary marker, but this is why. And everybody was like, can I drop Tyus Jones? And I'm like, no, you can't. Because if he gets 26, 27 minutes or more, he's a fantasy play in all formats. Trying to figure out when the Wizards are going to get blown out is is a task in and, all, in and of itself, but... This is it. Uh, Koulibaly had a double-double, 11 and 10, but bad free throws, no real peripheral stats. You guys know my feeling on him. He's a guy that I stashed in a keeper league because I think he'll be good when the Wizards lean into the full tank, which I know to say that they're not in full tank right now is distressing, but they're still playing two or three, what you call, like, NBA veterans. And at some point, even those guys aren't going to get to go. And then... Bilal is going to have free reign. But six shots just isn't enough. He needs to do more. We need him doing more. You want to stash for two or three months? Be my guest. I'm not in redraft spots. And then I don't know how many times I have to yell that Kyle Kuzma is a sell high, but he's down to number 82 now. Again, there's this this rosy lens around him because he's scoring 23 points with six boards and four and a half assists and so people are willing to overlook the fact that he gets no defensive stats and his percentages are running above career norms but as all of that stuff comes back down so does Kuz I like his usage he's typically getting enough minutes to put up value which is good on a team where minutes haven't really been guaranteed yet but you got to try to lock in. Like, I still, you know, he's ranked in the 80s on Basketball Monsters 9-cap board. I think you can probably trade him for someone near or even above where he's at, and I would definitely do that. Oh, also on the uh, Bilal front, DeLon Wright should be back in the next two weeks, and that'll be a thorn. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie was someone that I've been sort of watching to see if he can hang tough, and he was better in this ball game. Wizards defense certainly helps, and four steals helps as well, uh, but that was a good sign for him. Cam Thomas... When he turns cold, he turns very cold. He's actually fallen outside the top 100 now. And again, it's this whole thing. Like, people see the 24 points per game, and they just totally overlook everything else. He doesn't rebound. He doesn't pass. He doesn't get many defensive stats. He's not horrible at those right now. But he's become a a pretty big negative in field goal percent because of volume. He's a hold. Cam Thomas is a hold. Uh... But when he goes on one of his mega heaters, he'll score 30 for a couple games in a row. He's probably a guy you try to move in those situations. No other big thoughts on this one. Cam Johnson had a slower ball game. He'll be fine. This game was a blowout. And, you know, some guys get their stuff in a blowout before a game gets out of hand, and some guys don't. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. had been playing kind of well. He missed this ball game. He's questionable for the next one with some back stuff. So we'll keep an eye on it. Knicks and Celtics had kind of a fun one, uh, but but this game ended closer than it actually was. Celtics were able to pull away uh, kind of midway through. I think it was in the third quarter. They opened it up. The Knicks, and this is a, a Thibodeau special, played the starters at the end for unknown reasons, and Jalen Brunson tweaked an ankle at the end of the ball game, which is just like, and and the guys that cover the Knicks are good at what they do. The, whew, the media coverage these days. The there are some teams where the media coverage is just like ninety nine percent slobbing, 
which is just atrocious, man. Like, we need people that are actually going to dig in and get information. The Knicks guys do that. They do a good job. They'll they'll pick the team apart, good or bad. They're, it's always getting analyzed, so thank goodness for that. And they're giving Thibodeau hell for leaving Brunson in in a game that was basically decided. Now, the fantasy good news there is that if Brunson has to miss a game, and again, we won't really know until the Knicks' next ball game gets closer, downside to doing this show early, is Emmanuel quickly would be an obvious start. He's a great fill-in for Brunson. Uh, I don't even know if he'd be in the starting lineup, but his usage would be so high that he would get an opportunity. Also, Mitchell Robinson left this ball game. He did come back, uh, but Isaiah Hartenstein, you can see on your board if you're watching, he played 29 minutes and had a huge fantasy line. If Mitrob has to miss any time, a healthy Hartenstein this year would be a very easy fill-in choice as well. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. And then Josh Hart, who we're like, he's perma watch list, had 6-6-7 six, six, and seven in 27 minutes. And again, that's just not quite enough for me. Not quite enough. More of a schedule play than anything else. But keep an eye on some of these Knicks uh, possible fill-ins. But also, wait, uh, Dante DiVincenzo got the start for Quentin Grimes and uh, didn't do anything. Shuffling along. Kristaps Porzingis came back for the Celtics and was very good. Um, Al Horford had a double-double off the bench. He played some extra minutes because Jalen Brown got ejected. Um, I love Al Horford. I would love to tell you to keep playing him, but you shouldn't. This was a this was more fluky than anything else. Typically, his minutes are in the low to mid-20s off the bench. That's not going to be enough for Al on the day-to-day. He's a guy you obviously drop in when Porzingis is out, but when KP's healthy, that's going to be a no. Minnesota blew out Memphis. No trouble here, despite the fact that Anthony Edwards left early with a re-aggravation of his hip injury. Nikhil Alexander-Walker picked up a few extra shots in the mess. Troy Brown Jr. picked up a few extra shots. You're not playing either of those guys on the roto side. You are playing Nas Reed right now while he's getting 23-24 minutes a game because he is a fantasy uh, stat magnet. Whenever he can get out there, uh, at some point he'll kind of cool off again, but he's a go. Gobert is on a heater right now. He's making his free throws, and so everything then uh, floats up the board with him. Mike Conley's been wonderful. The choices right now in Minnesota are relatively straightforward, so we don't need to spend much time on it, as I think are the choices in Memphis. Jaron Jackson Jr. has been playing better. This is another decent ball game for JJJ. Desmond Bain slowed down a little bit, but who cares? He's been fine, and you're basically not playing anyone else other than maybe like big-time reach on Santi Aldama, 
who I do have stashed in one or two spots. But, you know, with Tillman back now, uh, Smart should be back in the next week or two. Josh should be back in the next week and a half or so. Um, it's really going to upend everything with this team. And so I don't know that you really need to hold on to anybody other than JJJ and Bain on the Grizzlies right now, at least in terms of like who's playing, because they're going to have all these dudes coming back. And those are the guys you'll end up looking at. And everything gets sort of thrown into the blender at that point. Cavs were without Evan Mobley and Karis Levert for this win in Miami. It didn't really change much fantasy-wise. Dean Wade got the start for Mobley and did nothing. Uh, Max Struess had a poor shooting game, but he still got 17 shots, so I ain't complaining. And then, you know, the main guys were the ones that did the damage. Move on from that one. The Heat, Orlando Robinson got uh, played off the floor a little bit in this ballgame. I, I still think that if Bam and Highsmith miss another one, you play Robinson. Because you can see, even in 20 minutes, his fantasy game is very, very intriguing. He gets assists, he gets rebounds, he gets points, he gets defensive stats. He can actually space the floor a little bit. I didn't hit any threes in this one. The Heat are a streaming gold mine, other than apparently Duncan Robinson in this ballgame, who had one of the worst fantasy lines of the entire season. It was like somebody whacked him in the face right before the game. He had one point on one out of two free throws, so it took a miss to get there. One assist, 0 of 7 shooting, and six turnovers in 23 minutes. Again, maybe the worst fantasy line anybody's put up all season long. That said, he's been a good stream with Tyler Hero out. Despite this horrendous ball game, I know it's hard to sort of deep swallow that one down. Uh, Kevin Love played 28 minutes out of the blue in this game. I don't know why, really. I know the game got ugly, so Spo was kind of mixing and matching a little, but you're not playing Kevin Love. Josh Richardson had a nice game off the bench. Again, not a guy you're playing in Roto. It's too dangerous. Lowry's a guy you can stream while everybody's hurt. Orlando Robinson is a guy you can stream while everybody's hurt. I know it's crazy to say Duncan Robinson after this game, but he is. And then lately, Caleb Martin has kind of supplanted Jaime Jaquez Jr. as the safer uh, kind of wingy stream for the Heat. Because when Caleb starts running hot, he takes more shots, he gets threes, and that's the difference for him because you know he can get a few rebounds, a few assists. He'll just be out there long enough to get them. The issue is, is he going to take any shots? And right now when he's warmer, he'll take them. There's this aggression thing with Caleb that comes and goes. So he's a stream right now. But if we get to tomorrow or whenever the hell the Heat's next ball game is, I I have misplaced my pants. The Heat's next game is uh, indeed tomorrow, Monday in Charlotte. And if we get a report that, like, you know, Bam's back and Highsmith is back, then that shakes up the whole front court. Martin, I wouldn't play. Haquez, I certainly wouldn't play. Uh, Robins, Dunk, or Orlando Robinson, you definitely don't play. And if Hero's back, then you bench Ro Duncan Robinson. So there's a lot that could change between today and tomorrow, but that's where things stand for Miami right now. Warriors lost to the Thunder in overtime. Uh, the good news for the Warriors here is they finally let Jonathan Kaminga play a little bit. And he played a bunch in the second half of the previous ballgame. And he fouled out in 29 minutes of this one. He's very much a speculative ad. Maybe the most interesting thing that happened over the weekend was sort of this emergence of Kaminga. And I, you know, I don't know what Steve Kerr is going to do on the day-to-day. -day, but if you're, first of all, if you're in a keeper or dynasty format, Kaminga needs to be on a team post-haste. Because the Warriors are getting real old. And whether they like it or not, he is their future. I don't think that they like it, actually. But... That's that's the honest-to-goodness truth. So he needs to be on rosters if you're in any kind of 
format that extends beyond this season. And even in redraft right now, I think there's a case to be made to pick him up and just kind of see how this thing goes. Chris Paul's been out. Gary Payton's going to be out for a while yet. Uh, and so, uh, you know, all that could mess things up. And if Andrew Wiggins ever decides to wake up a little bit, that could change things. Uh, if Draymond Green doesn't foul out in 35 minutes, maybe that changes things a little bit. But overall, it feels like Steve Kerr's thinking, like, I got to switch something up because the usual crap just is not working right now. Does that mean that Kaminga's going to get another chance in the next ball game? It does not mean that necessarily, but he's played well in this one, and he played great in the second half of their previous game. And I feel like that's kind of earning him a little bit of trust and a little bit more leash, and we'll see how it goes. So I say add Kaminga, keep him on your bench if you're in a roto, don't spend a games cap on it until you see how this whole thing plays out. But head to head, you know, you might as well spend a move when someone like this pops up that could actually be a rest of season name could, I don't know, what do I think the percentages are 10, 15%. But you know, mid December, that's actually kind of a high number for could a guy be a rest of season dude? Most of the moves we're making right now are injury replacement guys, where it's basically a 0% chance someone's going to be rest of season value, and Kaminga is better than zero. I don't think anything's going to happen to Clay. I think Wiggins has a chance to get benched at some point, although they still like his defense, but overall he's just been such a gross negative for them. Uh, we saw Looney lose a bunch of playing time here in favor of Sharich uh, and Kaminga. So things are things are shifting a little bit, and we should pay attention. Meanwhile, the Jalen Williams freight train has officially left the station. Hopefully everybody had a chance to buy low on uh, Jalen Williams because he's now up to number 68, and he still hasn't even gotten his steals number up that much. This is a dude who can roll top 30 when things are really cooking, and hopefully everybody bought low Chet Holmgren, still trucking, man. What an what an amazing start to his year. He's number 10 in 9-cat right now. That's grotesquely amazing. And then Shea's crazy, but let's keep moving here. Chicago, uh, Alex Caruso played 19 minutes and left early. This is the Alex Caruso story in a nutshell. Um, DeMar is going to have to do a lot on offense. Vooch, Kobe White, these are the guys that are going to get all the usage for the Bulls. Uh, with Zach Levine out, that's been enough to get Kobe White cooking. It's been very close to enough to get Patrick Williams cooking. But now if Caruso has to miss their next ball game, that's probably enough to make Patrick Williams a start independent of the other stuff. We'd need DeMar out to get down to Dasunmu on the fill-in train. Uh, but the Bulls are... I'd say they're playing better, but also this was the Spurs, who are in a dogfight for the worst team in the league honors right now. So, you know, don't give too much credit, but Bulls are playing a little bit better. Spurs decided to try Wemby at the 5, and it was pretty cool. He had a 20-20 game. Zach Collins came off the bench, 23 minutes for Collins. He actually had a, a damn efficient ball game, actually. So hold on to him. Trey Jones got 28 minutes. If that happens again, you got to add him everywhere. If it doesn't, then don't. One time is not enough for me to buy that this is like a legit thing. Um, Sohan went back into the starting lineup after one game on the bench. Devin Vassell starting again. Keldon Johnson had another one of his efficient games. You guys know my feelings on the Spurs, and everybody can help me for it, or can, can crush me for it. Keldon Johnson, to me, basically anytime he has a really good shooting game, you try to sell for someone who's ranked near him, which has been this year between like 65 and 80. And then Vassell is kind of the same story. He's down to 85. 
I just felt like his field goal percent was never going to stay where it was, and it's already starting to come down. Um, Spurs are frustrating. If they would just turn Trey Jones loose, he'd be a really fun guy to pick up off most wires. And, you know, you if you have a, a dead spot on your team, you could pick him up from this ballgame and just see what happens. I just I think for many of us that need our roster spots, I kind of want to see it happen one more time. Let's keep trucking here. We got a lot to cover. Rockets beat the Nuggets. Not much to talk about uh, from a fantasy standpoint in this ballgame. Dylan Brooks had one of his better games. He really seems to be a focus-dependent fantasy play. When the Rockets have a big game, Dylan Brooks seems like he cares. And then the rest of the time, he just sort of lets everybody else do it. Freddie Van Vliet still can't get any steals. It's the darndest thing. I mean, he's having a perfectly fine fantasy season, but, uh, you know, he's in the 40s. It's not the end of the world. Field goal percent is not going to come up that much. It's all steals for him right now. If the steals would come around, he'd bounce up into the 20s and 30s. Some of it might just be scheme, I guess. You know, maybe he's not going to get into the mid to high ones, but I, I can't believe he's under one steal at the end of this season. That would floor me. Jamal Murray got ejected. No other notes on the Denver side other than Jokic is in kind of the first shooting funk of his career. Could you buy low on Nikola Jokic right now? I, I mean, possibly. But we did call the championship hangover. No one should be too surprised by this. It's finally hitting. Kings beat the Zombie Suns in a game that they, frankly, should have won. Keegan Murray is the only story there. Uh, well, Malik Monk's minutes continue to trend up, but we've called him an ad for a few weeks in a row now, so that doesn't change. Um, Keegan's a buy low. He fouled out in 30 minutes here. He's very good, and he's just going to keep getting better. Suns were without... Uh, Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant both are getting very close now though there's a hope that Bradley Beal could actually play at some point this week KD it sounded like this was a pretty short-term thing he tweaked an ankle against their uh, IST game against the Lakers and so I think they figured they just give him this one off and you know give him like five days to recover so I think we see Kevin Durant back pretty soon uh, if he happens to miss another one Eric Gordon is your obvious stream he played 38 minutes that actually led the team more than Booker Booker's going to do a ton while superstars are out. He'll do quite a lot even when they start to come back. At some point, we'll actually see what this team is with all three of their guys, but it hasn't been yet. Clippers beat the Jazz, which has been kind of hard for them historically, but it shouldn't be because the Jazz are terrible this year. Uh, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard had bigger games. James Harden slowed down a tiny bit, but there's really nothing fantasy-wise here other than my continued watch list of Norman Powell, and this was a bad Norman Powell game. So move on to Utah. John Collins, huge ball game. He hadn't had one of these in a while, so this was a nice little bit of a John Collins wake-up day that pushed him back into the 90 range for the year. Good, good. He's a hold. Walker Kessler back into the starting five. We put him on our buy low board while he was coming off the bench because we knew people were starting to get frustrated. He ain't going to be frustrated for long now. He's going to crush from now basically until the end of time. And you guys know how I feel about Keontae George and Jordan Clarkson. I don't think Jordan Clarkson has uh, ever come close to being a true nine-cat guy. So no Keontae. He's not that dissimilar from... Uh, Kulabali in my eyes where you know maybe it starts to make sense around the all-star break but just too many fantasy inefficiencies here and I got people yelling at me about this one too oh Dan you're gonna regret this call I I don't think that's true I, I feel like people put way too much stock in what a player does in March Keontae George might be good in March 
I've said that before. I'll say it again. I can't stash him for that long. I'm in competitive leagues. I can't have someone who's physically dragging my team down for two and a half months on the hope that he's better at the end of that timeline. I just can't. It's too much to ask. Hopefully Larry Markin's back. Markinen will be back soon because the Jazz need him badly, and they are ugly to watch without him. Dallas beat Portland on the road. Kyrie Irving had kind of a scary uh, foot injury. I think, I forget, it was Dwight Powell fell on it? I think so. I think it was a teammate. I can't remember exactly. Um, I had somebody in my Twitter mentions that was like, he's for sure it's broken. There's a good chance it's fractured. I can sell him now. I'm like, well, uh, pump your brakes there, kiddo. Uh, Turns out to be a heel contusion, which, you know, these bruises can take some time to heal. We we might see him miss a week or two, uh, but it doesn't sound like it's super serious. They're not going to rush him back because the Mavs are in very good position already, so expect him to miss a few ballgames at least, but, you know, not the end of the world. The sky hath not fallen, but... The current missing players for the Mavs have opened up some kind of interesting streaming possibilities. Grant Williams missed this one. He might be back for their next ball game. Josh Green is out for a few weeks yet. So, first of all, Derek Lively is a start, regardless of all this other stuff. But Derek Jones Jr. is a start while all these other wings are out. Uh, with Kyrie going down, Tim Hardaway Jr. probably bounces back up into startable because he's just going to get enough shots to be useful, as you saw in this one. He had 20 points and four threes. He doesn't do anything else, but that's enough, and he can probably get enough when Kyrie's not there. And then we've had a couple games in a row from Dante Exum. And look, I'll be the first to admit that this feels like a not sustainable thing going on for Exum, but, I mean, who the hell knows? He's been really hot. Uh, He's had seven assists in two games in a row. Maybe that's going to be his role. I'm not adding him. He's going to get picked up in a lot of spots after one big ball game, and you know maybe he ends up putting together a little stretch here while Kyrie's out. But it just it does not feel like a thing that's going to last for very long. I, I just can't possibly imagine that Dante Exum magically became a fantastic basketball player overnight after like a decade of not. But we've talked about it before. Playing a guy on a heater is not the worst idea in the world. I'm just not confident enough to go that direction. Especially when you can go after a Derek Jones Jr. who uh, steps into bigger roles every time someone goes down, and then Hardaway, who they'll need to do some scoring here. Meanwhile, Luka took 28 shots in this game. As if his usage wasn't high enough already. Now it's going to be even crazier. For Portland, I think we probably see DeAndre Ayton back after their kind of long layoff from this ballgame, Saturday, Sunday. Eh, It's not that long, I guess. Um... Maybe he misses another one. Brogdon, Jeremy Grant, these guys are all out right now. The Blazers are a super weird fantasy team to track when three starters are down. Uh, Because Scoot coming off the bench is playing starters role, but he's still sort of NBA terrible. He hasn't figured out the game yet. Um, Anthony Simons is back. Thank goodness for that. He took 21 shots, and he's going to destroy points leagues while everybody's hurt. He'll be good enough in in 9-cat also, but... I mean, this is a guy who's, like I said on our last show, I think on Friday, he could he could legit average four three-pointers a game this year, and he had four in this ball ballgame, uh, so that's fun. Shaden Sharp is going to do a ton while all of these guys are hurt. 
And then the one that we talked about on Friday's show, which was like, I don't know if Matisse Thibault is going to get guaranteed 30 minutes, but if he does, you got to start him. And he did in this one. And so I think if all three of those starters are out again, you start Sharp, Simons, and Thibault. And that's probably as far as I go. Tamani Kamara would be the next closest. He's a maybe. Uh, but we don't know that much about his fantasy game to say yes or no on that one. And then Reith is a no for me because it doesn't seem like his minutes are guaranteed even in that starter spot. You may have to sort of rejigger things if, like, if, say, Brogdon's back. That My my guess would be that actually takes Thibault out of the starting five, um, but maybe it bumps Kamara. Feel it out a little bit. I think Grant probably misses another one, but we can't again know until we get closer. Uh, that was everybody that played over the weekend, and I'm not going to do a Monday night preview on today's show, but I am going to talk a little bit about about the week ahead before we wrap things up. Uh, no questions on today's either. Again, I got to make sure that I rest my voice. This coming week is a very, very heavy games week. I think it's one of the most populated weeks of the sort of non-playoff fantasy season. No one has two games this week. Like, even next week, we go back to someone having a two-game week. I think the Suns have a two-game week, not this coming week, but the following one. This week, almost everybody has four. One, two, three, four, five, six teams have three games. Those teams are the Lakers, which, frankly, they earned it by playing in the finals. But the Pacers actually have a four-game week. Sorry, Indy. Uh, Grizzlies have three. Wolves have three. Thunder have three. The Thunder have the like the craziest schedule so far this year. They're lagging way behind a lot of teams and games played. Don't worry, it'll make up. Orlando has three, and Toronto has three. So if you somehow have a team that's like overloaded in those six teams, you're going to be at a games disadvantage this week. But otherwise, the game should be relatively equal, which means that streaming is both harder and also at the same time not quite as necessary because you're talking about, you know, if you have a 13 player league and you know 24 out of the 30 teams that's 80 percent of the league is going four games this week you can just sort of in your mind say okay on average what's 80 percent of four uh 3.2 so on average every player on your team is going to be going 3.2 times this week you got 13 players 39 30 13 times 3 is 39 13 times 0.2 is 2.6 that's 41.6 games for your team this week that's a high number for a given week. It's usually 30 high 30s. Um, so every, you know, partial game you add to that doesn't actually change things quite as much. You know, it's 2%, 2.5%. Now, you can still try to stream because you have the weekend to prepare. And if you didn't use all your moves up from last week, you can go for somebody on, say, uh, Chicago, Cleveland, Dallas, Denver, the Clippers, the Kings, they all have a back-to-back Monday, Tuesday to start this week, so that gets you off to a quick start. Uh, if you wanted to go back-to-back Wednesday, Thursday, that's Brooklyn. Um, Miami has a back-to-back Wednesday, Thursday, Utah. And then if you wanted to go back-to-back Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday, there's a lot of those as well. Atlanta has a back-to-back Friday, Saturday. Detroit is Friday, Saturday. Charlotte's Friday, Saturday. Golden State is Saturday, Sunday. Indy is Friday, Saturday. Milwaukee's Saturday, Sunday. The Knicks, the Sixers, Friday, Saturday, and Portland is Saturday, Sunday. So there's a lot of options of back-to-backs. But again, as you make these moves, you might not actually be gaining a game for the rest of the week. Because, there, again, there are only six teams 
that have a three-game week. So I want you to be somewhat cautious about how you use your moves. I think the best thing to think about here is to treat this a little bit like a playoff week, but not as critical as a playoff week, meaning you can... Uh, you want to make sure that you leave a move or two in case someone on your team gets hurt. Because the only thing that's really going to blow you up is if one of your four gamers turns into a zero. That's where you get really hurt. If you use a bunch of your moves at the beginning of the week and you don't have one to cover it, if you start to get zeros midweek, that's how you end up at a game's disadvantage. So, yes, I think you can stream this week. Uh, I think it's smart to actually use whatever moves you have for this coming week today. Make sure you use all of your moves up for this last week that's ending because like there's no point in taking one into the next week with you but I also don't think that going mega stream crazy is going to be that helpful this week because whatever you do you're probably it's a short term thing because like half the league goes four times the first six days so instead this week look at what maybe some of the low tide days are and there aren't that many of them mind you uh, again like this is a games-heavy week, but there are a couple of days that are a little bit lower tied. Monday is a massive games day. Tuesday only has five. Thursday actually has seven, so it's a relatively busy day. Friday has eight. Saturday is pretty busy. Sunday has only five. So, like, I would argue that Tuesday and Sunday are the ones where maybe you can make a little headway. Save a move or two for the end of the week to try to bulk up that Sunday. Um, Monday is an overload day in a big, big way. Monday is, I think, 13, 12 or 13 games played. Wednesday is nine. Um, so again, like you can stream and you probably won't hit too many overloads, but just know that you're the, at the end of the week, your games played and your opponents are probably going to be relatively tight. Best strategy without talking in circles too much. Use moves right now. To cover, get some Monday, Tuesday back-to-backs. If your Monday is already overloaded, you could actually aim for a Tuesday through Sunday type of team. Somebody that plays Tuesday and has four games from that point on. Boston is a team that goes Tuesday through Sunday and has four games. Try to remember these teams as I list them. The Warriors are another one. The Suns are another one. Those are the three teams that have four games Tuesday through Sunday. So if you're looking at the long streaming plan... That's the way to do it. The Suns also go back-to-back Tuesday, Wednesday, so that makes them interesting in that regard. Suns are a really good team to grab on that one. If you feel like you want to make more moves starting on Thursday, uh, and they're Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I don't know. Are there any teams that go three times Thursday through Sunday? Um, Warriors, I think, might be the only one. Warriors and Blazers. So if you start with the Suns, say, on Tuesday, you take their back-to-back, then you switch to Warriors-Blazers. That's a good way to use one or two moves on each of those days. Uh, And you can sort of squeeze out an extra two, three, four streams on the week where your opponents are probably going to do some streaming. But what they're not going to realize is that they're not really adding that many games for their whole week because they're going to switch off of one team to another. But then that team might not have a great schedule after that. So they'll have to use another move to get back to a better team again. Uh, I'll try to put some of this stuff on social maybe later on today. People can dig through it. Uh, but that's the general streaming strategy for this week. We're not going to go through um, the sort of game time call, guys, because today is Sunday. It's not going to help you. We're not going to have that information until late Monday afternoon um, because the games start 
Indy at Detroit kicks things off tomorrow. And then almost all the games. What? What? Are, one, two, three, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's a thirteen-game Monday, but eleven of the thirteen games are going by five o'clock Pacific time. So you'll have a lot of the game time calls before your lineups lock on Monday uh, at four for weekly lineups. And then the only ones you might not get news on would be Brooklyn, Sacramento, Portland, uh, and the Clippers. Those are the teams that go later on Monday night. All right, Dano's got to save his voice. Thank you to anybody that ignored football on a weird Sunday morning to watch this show live. I can't believe even a few of you are out there, but please do take a moment to like, rate, subscribe. Find me on social over at Dan Vespers. Again, no shows coming on Monday. We'll be back with you guys on Tuesday. We'll get our weekly buys. Uh, We'll recap the Giant Monday card uh, and then kind of settle back into the usual grind. Continuing uh, happy Hanukkah wishes to all of those out there, and uh, we'll see you guys in two days this is a show that should cover monday you got a special sunday episode but then you got a, you get nothing tomorrow okay see you on tuesday everybody so long for now You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.